Again, welcome back to the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's show is featuring Carlos Paez of the B-Side Players and Maiz. Carlos was kind enough to sit in my van uh, and just shoot the shit for, you know, like 40 minutes. And, you know, we, we were able to cover a lot. You know, we found out a little bit about his life and stuff. Um, Carlos Paez, if you don't know who B-Side Players is, you should know who the B-Side Players are. They are a... They, they just have this wide variety of music. They'll be playing cumbia, and they'll be playing reggae. They play, like, funk, and, and you know, even in their early records, they play uh, some psychedelic-type stuff, which we talk about. Um yeah, so this was recorded back in June. I realize it's August now, and I have no idea where I am on my road trip. Um, it's, you know, I don't even know. I, I might be in Toledo by now. Um, right now, it's June 20th. So this was recorded back in June 10th, 2017. And actually, Carlos was working at the Oyster Fest, which I am going to, that you probably already heard if I haven't released them yet, but I'm, I have Damn Funk and Josh Heinrichs that I'm going to release, or I already have released. I don't know yet because that's two months away from now. And um, who knows what the hell is even going to be going on in two months. So, um, yeah. So, it was awesome to talk to Carlos. And uh, I had, like, a week before this, I think. I think it was, like, a week before this. He had come to a show I was playing with a local guy here named Irie G in San Diego. And he just came to the show and he needed a replacement keyboard player saw me play and he just came up to me and asked me was like hey i need a keyboard player you know do you got any gigs this weekend i'm like yeah i do and he's like can you get out of those gigs and i'm like i don't know and then he told me you know this is how much i can pay you and uh you know i'd appreciate it if you can hop on and i told him well let me sleep on it i'm gonna have to you know dick over some bands <laughs> But it all worked out in the end. Uh, both bands ended up playing just fine without me. And um, so I got to play with B-Sides. Now, B-Side, a little history with me and B-Side players is when I first got to San Diego like 11 years ago, uh, B-Side players was one of the first shows I was able to go to. And, you know, over the last 11 years, I mean, when I already got here, they were already a staple in San Diego. They were signed to a big label, and now he's doing the independent thing, which I love. And, you know, he's a working musician. He's uh, He has great credits, you know, like he, he's done music for, for you know, TV shows and commercials. And um, so he's just such a well-respected figure in the San Diego music scene and in the whole international Mexico, um, so let me say it right, Mexico and the United States, and all over the country, all over the U.S., he's uh, <clears throat> he's known. 
Or at least the B-side players. So, um, it was such an honor for me to sit down with Carlos and just, you know, get to know him a little better. You know, on the road, you get to know people, but there's nothing like having a one-on-one. And that's what I've grown to love about this, uh, this podcast is that I get to know these artists that you just, in passing, you're just like, hey, it's you and bye and... But, like, to actually sit down with somebody and record and um, keep a record, you know, of of at least the San Diego music scene. And I've had a chance to talk to some pretty interesting and national acts. So, in any case, um, I'm not going to blab on too long. I do want to play a few songs from the B-side players. And I'll do that at the end of the show. And that will take us out. So I'll play a few songs from B-Side Players so you guys can get an idea of what I'm talking about when I say he they have a wide variety of music. So um, let's see. Oh, yes. Carlos has a show. B-Side Players has their album release show August 26th. I'm releasing this the week of the 26th so we can maximize, um, um, you know, maximize our oh my god why am i blanking we're gonna maximize our ability to promote we're gonna maximize promotion (laughs) oh my god so yeah i totally recorded this back in june this has just been sitting on my hard drive for a couple months and um, i'm really happy to be able to release it now and um yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com. Check out the website, wespeakenglishgood.net. Leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. We always appreciate that. And go to rainymystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com, and just check out what's going on on the website. We're going to be keeping track of what we're doing over the summer. And that's one of the best ways besides my website, WeSpeakEnglishGood.net. So, also, you can go to B-Side Players. I mean, just Google B-Side Players. It'll come up. I'll put the the link to their website on in the show notes. So, um, without any more blathering, here's Carlos Paez <laughs> having a conversation with me in my man van um, oh yeah, I do have to apologize. There are some assholes in the background who kind of start talking when we're talking, so don't get too st- distracted by them. They're just people in the background. So uh, enjoy our, this conversation I had with Carlos Pius of the B Side Players. <laughs> What was your last van? Um, it was also a Ford. I've had Chevys before, but it was like just like those 15 passenger ones, the standard ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those yeah. things are fucking pretty dope, though. Yeah, how many how many vans do you go through in like a like? I mean, fuck, because we were doing like 180 shows a year, so. Oh, that's right. You're telling me. It's that. fucking gnarly. I mean, and it's we pull a trailer, so you know it's hard on the van. Oh yeah, yeah. Fucking, yeah. you have to like replace the brakes and shit a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, when I first came out to California, I had a, um, what the 
fuck was it? It was a Chevy, some kind of Chevy van. It was like a cargo van, and I uh, I was pulling the trailer. And by the time I got from Ohio to California, <laughs> the fucking rotors were shot. Yeah. yeah, I had to replace like the everything. So it's fucking ridiculous. Oh, um, I'm sitting here with Carlos Paez. Is that how you say mm -hmm. it? Okay. Fucking, my mom always makes fun of my like when I try to pronounce Mexican or Spanish words. She always makes fun of me, but you know it's her fault. She never taught my ass. And um, she married a white guy in Ohio, so she thought that I didn't need to learn Spanish. And then I moved over here, and here we are. Fucking. I mean, um, I my my kids are raised here in the U.S. and I even like for me when I saw that they were losing their Spanish. I was like, all right, this summer you're getting dropped off in Mexico, your grandma. <laughs> but it didn't work. Still, it didn't work. I it mean, didn't stick. Nah, it didn't stick, man. You, you have to practice it. It's like a, yeah, you know, it's yeah. a language. It's like totally, man. If you don't practice it, you lose it. Not only that, living here in San Diego, you know, we have the whole Chicanismo and the whole where it's Spanglish, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. Spanglish culture. Just throwing shit together. <laughs> what was the one they were calling the lunch truck? Fuck. I forgot what they called it. They were calling the lunch truck something. Roach coach? <laughs> no, they called it the roach coach, but the shit, but it wasn't like a legit Spanish yeah. word. I don't know. Lunche truck, lunche. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, that's not like a real Spanish yeah. word, but it's like. Exactly, they'll take like lunch and then add an ed to it or an o. Luncho. Hell yeah, but you know, whatever, Are you man. Or what? No, man, I'm doing an interview with Carlos. <laughs> That's fucking man. Yeah. Anyways, so tell me about the new album, man. Like, what's what do you guys? Are, are you guys do? Are you venturing out? Yeah, I'm um, as far as like recording for B side, it's just um, um, you know, we have studio albums where where we all went in the studio and and you know we had a record label support us, but like as far as like the last two three records. Um, it's just all independent. I'm financing everything, uh -huh. and so like I'll just go work with producers that I like, and uh, I'll go do three, four songs, and so the record, the records are always come out a little bit like with different sounds. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't flow like like a whole studio record will flow, but that's kind of like how our live music live shows are, anyways. Cause, yeah. Cause we, you know, we. You know, we pretty much break boundaries as far as like, um, we'll play like a, a traditional, you know, rancherita and then mm -hmm. go into like some soul, soul music and right. some funk. Some banda. Yeah, some banda yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, it, I, I like recording that way. And not only that, but I like working with, with different producers and just vibing off that. And you know, like, I, there's not really like one producer where I can be like, I want to record the whole record with you. Yeah. Because a lot of producers, they have their sound and um, they start taking control over the whole record, you know? That, that's what, I mean, like, have you had that experience before? Yeah, for sure. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it just, they're, they definitely have a big influence on this whole sound. But um, if you just give them three songs, you know, or two songs, then, right. And you know, yeah, they can put their stank yeah, on it, they but, they stank, got, but they don't got the whole yeah, exactly. So, you were with a record label, why did you decide to leave the label? Well, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a choice, it was just oh. the whole record um, industry just started falling apart, and yeah. uh, a lot of these 
Um, we were with a really successful record company, Concord Records, that has okay. a lot of money. Yeah. And they're still successful. They're, their catalog is amazing. They live off their their catalog. Yeah. But um, as far as like the, for us, we've never been a band that sold units or, you know, sold records. Uh, it's more, we're more like a live touring act. Yeah. So, uh, we were we were basically it wasn't like yeah you guys are no longer with us but but uh, they just weren't doing anything for us and along with Ozo Motley and bands like that oh, we yeah, all yeah. we all kind of uh, we put out records with them but but um you know you could tell like there wasn't a money making thing for them so right. so we just started venturing out into other independent labels after that and that yeah. Yeah, well, you know, like I was talking to this one cat um, a couple weeks ago. His name's Scott Tournay, and he was playing with this band called Grace Potter and the Nocturnals. Have you ever heard of Grace Potter? Yeah. He was the guitar player for that, and he was telling me how fucking, like, they helped, but, like, they mostly came up doing their own independent... Like, their word of mouth from just being independent is what got them to a level um that the record company kind of just started you know facilitating and feeding off it which almost seems like that's like kind of what they do now you know like they kind of take people who are already having kind of buzz going on and then or or like if you're drake or something that's a totally different thing it's like they fucking put all their money in that and that's how they make their money but it's it's crazy how how much the how much like downloading has tanked oh, fucking yeah. the music industry. Like um, the only like you can find B-side players songs in jukeboxes because of the record label. Yeah, yeah. Because of the power they have. Right. The distribution like, uh, the and distribution, like you know. Yeah. So and that's like the that's you know also licensing like they they know how to license the music to. Right, right. They know. they do have like a, they're really helpful. Yeah. But it's only if they feel like you're making them money, and right. if not, like what happened with you guys, they're yeah. just like, eh, whatever. Yeah, just, exactly. And they're making all their money off the their catalog, like you're yeah. saying. Yeah, it, that's that to me is. But after 9/11, man, everything changed. Is that? And um, yeah, I mean, everything as far as like the whole like, oh, we need to get a record deal. That was like goals. Uh, that was like priority stuff for us yeah but now that has nothing to do with what we do and and like what what makes us you know survive in the industry like mm. we don't we don't trip on that anymore like, a lot of bands don't it's kind of self-sustained you gotta you have to be able to survive off your live show and yeah. and you know be on top of your merch game and you'll be all right like it's not it's, it's like bands like us that have been around for 20 years plus like we there's a there's a way of, of surviving without radio play you know what I mean without yeah. tour support without label support and you just got to learn how to do it you know right I, mean? I think I think it seems like it's going more towards the independent bands yeah. way because because there's not really money in the albums anymore right. unless they're your Drake yeah. right but even then like with those streaming most people stream music yeah, now sure and so like it's so weird to see how um, it's like Drake can make a good amount of money yeah. but then they show those checks like sometimes you, they'll be on Instagram they'll be like this is five million plays mm-hmm. and I got like you know 20 bucks like the deals we're getting right now as far as for the new record there are pe- there's record companies that are like 
We'll just be in charge of all your digital digital mm-hmm. um, sales. Right. And you guys, you guys, you guys can keep all the physical sales, uh, all the, everything. But you gotta press your own CDs. No, they'll, oh, they'll, they'll press. They'll press it and they'll 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 give you like you know they'll give you a deal like a they'll find a good deal on the pressing, but they're also you have to pay that money back. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Before yeah, you can yeah. make any money off that. But it's like it's just kind of like it's. It's you can do it yourself. You right. know what I mean? Just totally. The, a band, you, you know, you can fundraise and just put it yourself, and then you own your own masters, and you own, and right away from day one, from the CD release parties, you're already in the profit. You know? Hell yeah! From yeah. day one. Yeah. Uh, what was that band? Radiohead. Do you remember they did that? Yeah. I think they do that from now on. They left their huge label and yeah. like they put out their next one, and they were saying that they were making like double right. what they were making going through them. And that's like a, another level, but you right. can do it down the level we're at too. Right? You know no, I mean? no. But but I think I think where I'm drawing like the correlation is like it, if a huge band can yeah. do that and have that kind of success, it's like that's it means that there's enough space for everybody. Right. And there's a and there's a group of people and like you were saying, you guys are so um, like well-rounded yeah. with music. It's like it, it's, but it's also like it's also man like the band. You have to learn how to how to make money because because you know you can't be spent. I work with a lot of bands, a lot of bands that come from you know bands that come from out of out of the country, from Mexico, from Latin America, from Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii's U.S. But a lot of Hawaiian bands come down here. And they fucking rent like a a, a sprinter yeah. with a trailer, and they're and it, right there is so much money, yeah. dude. Daily For expense real. is ridiculous. Yeah, like I'm all, just get a van, just get a 15 yeah. passenger, or you know, or. Or I was renting out my van to those guys for a hundred bucks, yeah. and I would save them like, like three hundred dollars daily. Yeah, a day. You sure. do you do like two months. That, that makes a big difference. You oh, know yeah, what I mean? totally. oh no, totally. And that's because that's what was killing us with my band's Kingsford yeah. Project until I got this motherfucker, and then I run it to the band. There you go. And I'm fuck, you know. So yeah. like, I'm getting a cut off my van. I'm getting yeah. a cut off the show. And the, but I mean, bands need to invest in yes, that before exactly. they go out there and and just you know charge up their credit card and then. It, and then the second tour is just like you're behind, you're under, you know, and it's it's, it's got to be smart. You got to be smart out there, especially if you're doing cross country tours, and uh, you know, and even like man, when you're at a, a a big level, man, the tour bus thing is expensive, man. Yeah. So like on those on that level, do they're renting that, right? Oh yeah. They're renting it's those money. It's yeah. money. You gotta pay the driver, yeah. gas, and yeah. the tour bus, and. And that's just another machine you got to feed right there. And I mean, there's a lot of musicians that get to that level of playing like, you know, playing big old, uh, you know, stadiums like, you know, 5,000 plus, but they're not making money, man. Right. All that money goes to the machine. Yeah, and to the production. The production. Yeah. yeah. And they're still getting paid 100 bucks a show. You know? Right, like, exactly. Like us. When it all comes down to yeah. it. Yeah. So are you, I think you mentioned to me that you have a booking agent though? We've had, we've always had a booking agent. I mean, we've we pretty much have uh, had a, over ten booking agents our career. And uh, well, right now we're at um, we found a kid from uh, from the East Coast, North Carolina, I think. Oh, okay. And but now he moved to the West Coast because he's doing so good, and so now he's in LA, and and it's been working out with him. 
and they they're kind of centered around the whole um, a lot of you know reggae reggae vibe a lot of uh, the Cali roots bands yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, you know we do all that stuff but we also we also do good in the urb more the urban Latino market yeah, where totally. you know like you know fucking Afrobeat festivals or like yeah, yeah, or like yeah. some cumbia festivals Hell yeah. And so that's what's good about us is we kind of don't like we don't like to get you know play too much in like the whole reggae scene because we're not a reggae band. We play reggae, but we're definitely not a reggae band. Right. And we're not trying to be like the whole Cali Roots reggae vibe. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's, no, that's not us. I know? feel no like so I had the honor of playing with Carlos and B side. Yeah. Oh, was that last week? Yeah. Oh, okay, Jesus. Um, and I show up with cargo shorts and like my stupid ass like dispensary hat like and a button up. I was like, I better bring a button. And like everybody's wearing slacks. Everybody's wearing. I think but, you even mentioned I mean, you're like it's just always like, it's always been like that. Like right. um, you got to remember like Rymo from Slightly Stupid is one of like the OG drummers, and he's all about flip flops yeah, yeah, yeah. Birkenstocks back in the days with like a tie-dye shirt right and you know he never he didn't give a fuck if we dressed up with fucking you know two-tone shoes and, or cowboy boots he, he just he was just himself right right and his drumming is just incredible right, so you know you can't really talk shit to someone like that but um yeah we've had different cats where it, you, it's hard to like tell people what to what to wear on stage you know what I mean like it's just it's rough, especially when you have a big band like like us. Yeah. We've always had a, you know, nine piece, ten piece band, and um, and it's just it's hard. To everyone look all to look all the same vibe. Yeah, but but I, I I still like I I was gonna bring jeans and I was like, fuck, it's gonna be hot, and, and I <laughs> no, should. No, it was hot. Yeah. It was hot, but like I when I talked to you, you're like, yeah, it's casual, bro. And I was like, oh, casual, cool, but. In any case, yeah. To me, casual is like jeans, and jeans dress shoes, and a button you know, shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, but you, but you do, you like B side does have a vibe. B side yeah. has like a an image where like yeah. everyone is just you know yeah. they look good, but they're not fucking in, in a tuxedo right, or anything. Right, yeah, right. yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's. What I love. There was a the time we were wearing suits, like, oh, and, suits. and 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 it did make a difference. Like, you can charge more money, you know, when you when you when you roll up in suits and your price goes up it's just a you reach like a certain level like uh and there's different venues for that kind of vibe yeah like you know we started getting to yoshi's jazz clubs you know oh yeah and and but we were playing the same music right but it's just like yeah we, the way you present yourself is important that's that's kind of like the way my dad taught me uh, and my dad's band this band from the 60s called los moonlights and they wore suits like the same color suits everybody yeah. so they they were like monday peach you know fuck tuesday uh oh, electric blue you know what i mean like I, I everyone has was suits. this back in like the 50s or 60s yeah sure so were they like a like a was, rock and roll doo no, no they were more like a like a like a kind of latin soul Lat, latino latin kind of uh, uh 
it's called ah, man I don't even know what kind of music it is but we played Rosa Maria the song you played oh, yeah, is yeah. from them oh that's like awesome cumbias. oh they that's played some nice. cumbias too so so uh, you come from a lineage of musicians yeah. and my dad still plays to this oh, day he's right. a trombone player okay. so um, um, he yeah he's well respected in Mexico like he's got like hundreds of records under his name as far wow. as uh, producing and uh, arranging and he's, he's he's a badass cat but um like I was kind of forced to be in that like like when I lived with him he was forcing me to to learn trombone and to and so I rebelled against him went to trumpet and then I was just fuck the trumpet I want to play guitar and I want to sing and but I, to this day I still like to play my horn and right. write music with my horn which I love that I love that aspect that you like will put down the guitar and pick up the horn yeah. and play with the the horn section and yeah, like round sure. it out and the band I always have to have a horn section like yeah. always since day one it's just my thing but uh, my dad was not he's like arranging bands for like 22 piece Bands, oh you know, shit! Like huge, big bands yeah, and shit, orchestras banda. and shit. They're bandas, you know, like Damn. traditional. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, we we did we just did a banda, uh, record with him about two years ago, three years ago, oh, and shit. it's all traditional banda music. How old is he? My dad. My dad's like sixty-nine. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's a young. He's still younger. And uh, he's pretty old. But, <laughs> but I mean, he's not like I thought. Cause in my head, I was thinking like a ninety-year-old yeah. cat just up there, just blowing I, away. I'm in. I'm forty-five, and when I hit sixty-nine, I'm gonna be tore up. <laughs> I can tell. It's just like this lifestyle will just ruin you, you know. Yeah, it's hard, man. It's hard to fucking. It's hard. It's hard yeah. to just sit in a van for hours. Right. It's like I think that's the biggest misconception people have about bands who like tour and stuff. Yeah. Is like, oh, you guys just go and fucking the biggest worry you guys where to eat. It's like, well, no, like it takes a lot out of you. You're not getting them yeah. out of rest that you like. And yeah. but I, I I did have to say I was telling my wife when I got back from the road with you guys I was like I don't think I've ever had as much rest on the road as I did with fucking B side players. Yeah. That's, that's the thing also even when we were young man we would always get hotel rooms like we never were the even when we were in the jam band scene like back in the days when we were like starting off with like you know when fish was starting off and and jerry garcia band and like we were doing like the, the whole jam band dead scene we were fucking getting nice hotel rooms like yeah just because it's it's too much man that like to sleep in the van or sleep in strangers house on the floor yeah. that's just rough I, I, ne I just never was into it. i never i never got to that punk rock level you know? <laughs> i mean believe me we slept in some some couches and some and, you know some yeah, sleeping yeah. bags you did your but time we did it we, but um b-sides always kind of i've always tried to you know take care of the band as far as like because we were doing averaging like eight hour drives a day man you gotta fucking get a bed and a, and a shower you know oh yeah that's the least you could do for your musicians <laughs> i was just not even used to that i'm used to like either like 20 dudes in one hotel room or like someone was sleeping in the van someone was sleeping in some weirdo's house and like weird motherfuckers out people like smoke cigarettes in their house and wet carpets and shit so and i try to give everyone their bed like if if not if if we have to share a bed I'll share the bed with mm. someone just as a band leader. Yeah, you gotta sacrifice, like, and cause and it just, you know, that's like uh, 
you, you know that saves a lot of a lot of tension a lot of bad vibes too you know yeah totally. like people when when you get a nice sleep you yeah, know what I mean? you're not uh, grumpy yeah. yeah you can like handle shit exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's like no fuck you you're the you ate my banana yeah. <laughs> i'll kill you yeah man so so like uh oh, how old were you then when you started getting the music then um well i was young i was uh there was always instruments around my house because uh -huh. my dad he would leave horns and guitars and and um so you know when you're young and you're bored and you're alone you start you start venturing you start like picking up things and i i started getting into um record collecting really young like 12 years old so like i you know i was already listening to like parliament and curtis mayfield oh, at a yeah. young age so um, a lot of soul, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Jay's Brown, and so I got into the funk, like the the soul groove and the funk, like really young. And then um, I picked up a guitar and I started just doing like little songwriting by myself. But I would always incorporate horn lines into the music. So if you ever listen to like the first B-side Players record, which was like 1994, um, we would do like these instrumental 13 minute songs with like <laughs> crazy horn lines you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and um that's how we got into the whole jam band scene like hippies dancing and right and spinning around for like long you know long long sets of music uh, and no singing just goros just like kind of uh, everyone singing together yeah, you know, yeah, chats. yeah and that was kind of our first vibe but um we got i got really into like the whole acid jazz scene from uh from europe when um, they started bringing back old, a lot of old jazz cats and, and putting like, you know, more hip hop beats and mixing. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I started getting into that, like Roy Ayers music and, yeah. you know, the Headhunters and yeah. stuff like that. So so then uh, I, we started getting a little bit more organized as far as songwriting. And then I started singing. First I started doing spoken word and then I started singing and I got comfortable enough to like, singing full songs and now it's just like full full songs as far as you know lyrics and vocals and stuff. yeah yeah what I, what I liked about playing live with you guys is that you it seems like that you incorporate your entire career of b-side mm -hmm. career into every show because yeah. like there is like a psychedelic part right. where you're getting <laughs> trippy which that's where i live yeah. i love that shit and then you're getting into your funk and soul yeah, playing sure. the the curtis mayfield tones yeah. and and then you, like your bond like i like the 70s chicano like santana sound oh too. yeah that's oh yeah that's a big you know influence hell like, yeah psychedelic latin chicano rock yeah uh, that's, that's that's a what was what was influence. his brother's name uh, the band malo was that um it? yeah was it jose 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 Santana, but the band was called malo right Ma malo or, el chicano tierra all those bands yeah like, yeah they were all from the west coast and war's a big band yeah, influence yeah. we got to play with them and it's man we we pretty much got to play with a lot of our the our heroes like a lot of our mentors as far as musical you know teachers um we got to tour with like the headhunters which is oh, a big nice. thing for me because i was just like a big you know paul jackson fan and bill summers and um, mike clark uh, like all the all the headhunters musicians are just incredible to me so just to tour with them for like a whole year oh, was yeah. heavy when we were young 
at a young age where yeah. we thought we were funky, but we really didn't know <laughs> what funky was, you know, <laughs> until you see something like that. Right. And then, you know, we did Toots and the Matos for three years. Oh, that's right. And that was like, you're, wa you're, you're watching like history, like someone who, like the innovators of reggae music. Hell know, like yeah. Pioneers. And not only that, but like his mic control as far as like the way he rocks the crowd and how how he can just bring everyone down to just like uh, the dynamics of bringing everyone down and then bringing them back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just the way he controlled the whole vibe was incredible, man. And I learned a lot of stage presence from that guy and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, the of way of controlling the dynamics of the band. Oh, yeah. I bring it down so that everyone can hear yeah, the, the lyrics, you know? Yeah, fucking incorporating these certain devices yeah, that get the sure. crowd's attention is, yeah. that's huge. And then the, we did the Wailers for, for like two and a half years with Family Man. And that was basically like learning reggae because I would, every night I would pick like a different, you know, musician and focus on like, focus on family man one night just uh -huh. just watch like learn about the bass how, yeah, yeah. how important it is and then then another night the drummer you know the one drop and then like second night like third night focus on drum and bass together and just just kind of like center it all in and see how it works you know and just kind of x everything else sit in a place where you can hear just the bass and drums perfect you know Hell yeah and then you know like also the 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 art of the skank and the art of the you know the rhythm and just when you're touring with these bands you have to take advantage and you kind of take notes and you learn yeah. from the masters you know by watching and listening and that helped me out a lot to as far as writing reggae music and um, you know that before before I was writing reggae it's kind of like studied it first you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of just yeah, I got a reggae song. Here you go. You know? <laughs> these two chords. And I'm just like, gonna sing oh, about peace and love and shit. But uh, and that, yeah, that that was big. And war, uh, playing with war, and James Brown. We got to open up for James Brown. That's, that's just tight. like like ridiculous. Like even when it was happening, you just you don't believe it's true you know yeah how, what was it how'd you do was that a festival or was that, that was at santa barbara bowl and we got invited to open up and i, I don't know our manager at the time he, he pulled something and it was dream come true that's amazing and so was that the only time you ever saw him live or? the only time we ever i saw him live and he had a 22 piece band oh my god had two drummers two bass players Shit, how old was he then how long was he it? was still fucking doing the splits yeah, and shit. Yeah, yeah. Cause, yeah he was doing it. the splits until he was like an yeah, older guy, man. He was killing it. I oh, mean, dude. that was amazing. And, um, you know, it's, it's the, the godfather right there. Hell yeah. But, um, I mean, to this day, uh, one of the big the big artists that really helped us, like, break into, like, uh, um, not, I wouldn't say mainstream, but, like, break into, like, a, just helped us you know, uh, get fans that would go support us later on in the future was uh, Ben Harper. Oh, really? Like, we did uh, some tours with him, and like he invited us. I guess he's a fan of the of our music, and so uh, he told me one time, he's all, when I get my my sh my shit rolling, I'm gonna have you play, open up for him, and I I was just like, oh man, that'd be awesome, cause yeah, I already yeah. knew who he was, and he kept his word. He brought us out, and that that festival crowd or that his fans are pretty much like the most diverse because you got 
you know, black and white, young and old, um, just like people that are into soul, into reggae, right. into funk, into groove, and and that was like the crowd that that I really felt like I'm oh, oh man, these are the people right here. People, this is my people. people. Yeah. And I felt I felt that you know because a lot of times for me, I have to read the crowd and because of of the catalog that we have, you know, we can we can cater to like a all Latino crowd mm -hmm. that doesn't speak English. Right. And uh, or we can cater to like, you know, older older people that are sitting down having dinner. Yeah. You know, like we can we yeah. can do those shows. Yeah. And and that that's what I noticed the most uh, just playing yeah. those couple shows was like even if they're Latino or in uh, or white, yeah. like they're fucking feeling them, like especially like that cumbia shit. They yeah. they're up and out there and dancing yeah. their ass off. So it, it just is such a. Yeah. I guess I didn't. I guess I, I just I've never been in that situation, right. so I didn't I didn't expect that. But I mean, you guys fucking I mean yeah, that's why B side brings a presence of its own, and I feel like that energy just and that's why I fell anywhere. in love with like Ben Harper's crowd because. Yeah. That's a crowd that you don't have to you don't have to worry about what you play, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, open yeah. like like so open-minded and diverse <laughs> yeah. and and you just feel free like everybody loves whatever you play and that's like man, that's when I kind of like started listening to world music and like, you know, listening to a lot of Fela and, and uh, Afrobeat and stuff that just like world that falls under world music that you can't you can't put in a bubble, you know, like it's it's like everyone like young old that's the kind of music i want to i want to create and yeah that's, it's not it's not that easy but uh but you know that's the challenge that that's that goes with i uh, like that's fun for me writing that kind of music oh yeah um so do you uh do you write the horn lines or do you usually have your horn um, section yeah i write a lot of horn lines a lot of the song ideas come from horn lines but um i basically just um, I write like my dad. He uh, writes arranges for for like twenty two piece man all horns with the with the acoustic guitar. Oh, like, okay. He does everything oh, shit. and he writes. And so I just I just do it basic chords, mm -hmm. knowledge of basic chords, and I I just pretty much try to write melodies and and once I feel like I got a nice hook and melody, then I start working on on like um, verses. And then I start putting in horn like horn lines. So it's so what your writing process is pretty mathematical yeah. at this point. Yeah, for sure. Oh uh, yeah, so you'll just it's just you and a guitar. Yeah, just and then I start and then I start bringing the the song um, the song into like uh, different musicians, you know, bass mm. players and keyboard players, and yeah. then start making the the song. Yeah, yeah, and that starts to fill out everything. Start feeding it, and from there it takes off. But uh, I, I've been doing a lot of acoustic performing for um, the last 10 years. And yeah. so, you know, that, that a lot of the songs that I do acoustic um, turn into like big B-side songs with yeah. horn lines and fucking yeah, yeah. drum breaks and percussion. Hell yeah, you know? man. Yeah, those those horn lines stick in your head. Yeah. I was like humming that shit for a <laughs> week. <laughs> That's good though. Like, yeah. it's good when... It's cool when people will just be walking around humming like a, a yeah. melody that you wrote and you're just like, oh yeah, nice. So you know that works. Have, have you ever tried doing anything with like uh, writing for commercials or movies or anything no, like that? No, man. And and we've been on commercials, but um, like Mexico is so corrupt. Like they'll just grab your song. Or, 
Oh, this and is use it, and then they'll be like, sue us, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, come get it, Come get it. <laughs> yeah, we're hey, like, we'll, we'll fucking, I'll talk, I talk to lawyers before I'm on. There's our song on a major, like, orange juice brand, like, <laughs> as big as Sunkiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're using our song, and they're not hiding it. <laughs> and the lawyer's like, dude, I can't, I can't help you. Like, I, like, they got their, it's a the whole different game over there. Yeah, yeah, like, they just know, don't. You gotta, they don't give a corrupt. fuck. Yeah. They just don't give a fuck, dude. Mexico is crazy. It's like my mom, um, she's from this village outside Guadalajara, and she um, used to go there every year to clean up the properties. Mm-hmm. And um, in the last 10 years, she's they stopped going because her family has a big property mm-hmm. down there. And they stopped going because, like, the fucking, um, the gangs have taken over mm-hmm. that whole village. And one and people in the village are like, hey, you should keep your heads down because they're gonna see you guys don't look like you're from here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they've stopped going because their village is just overrun by, you know, the gangs. And, and there's no royalties or anything yeah. like that. Like my dad, my dad basically does arrangements for. He'll do a whole song, everything delivered to the band. This is the way it is. This is how it goes. I'll re- he records it. So here you go. You owe me. F- it's like something around like from four to five thousand dollars, and uh, um, and after he gets his money, he he it. no longer uh, owns the song. Yeah, like it's their song or the record yeah, label song. Oh, okay. And that, so it's a one-time fee. So, so you, so you just primarily write for yourself then. Yeah. Or that's it. Yeah. You're, but your dad, he's more of the like I'll write and arrange for yeah. you. You just give me this fee. Right. Yeah, that that's how good. it works in Mexico. Ah, oh, yeah. that's how they do it. Like. Yeah, that's how they do it in Mexico. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, I over here. I mean, I get, you know, royalty checks from old ass songs. You know, yeah. That, that people, um, like back in the reality when reality shows started, they were using a lot of in- indie music mm-hmm. like in the background. You know, and that was a good time for musicians like me that that have a lot of albums. You know. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they were just, I was. You know, I was on all kinds of shows, the real world, and oh, for real? Like, yeah, like it's tight. hear like, you know, thirty seconds of right. my music, but but it pays well. You know what I mean? Okay, so then, okay, so how did you how did you get hooked into like s- submitting your music for um, that kind of options? I never really like went and tried to get my music out there. It just happens, I guess. Um, <laughs> everything's just, all published, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but it's like. It's all everything. All my music is is independently published. I, right. I don't, I don't market it. I don't try to sell it or anything. It's just people like they just come to it. Yeah, and especially yeah, it's that. probably categorized under like like Latino or like uh-huh. you know um, Latin jazz or Latin funk. Right, right. So it's a lot of there's not a lot of uh, bands and, and music under that category. So. A lot of people use it, use the Latin sound for for. Uh, ah, I for got you. So they're TV just going shows. through. Yeah. They're just going through a catalog, uh-huh. and they're just like, "Oh, this exactly. is cool. This fit." Okay, so like, have you ever like gone out and like like when you got signed to that label, did, were you actually shopping your album? No, or? but that was when Satellite Radio came out, and and they, we were getting a lot of satellite things, ah. satellite play, and that's when college college radio like. You know, we were getting a lot of play on on the mm. on that vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. So like, yeah. you you've never really tried to go out and just shop your stuff. You just just it's always yeah. just kind of came to you. Right. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. That, that's cool because 
I, I know people who are, you know, successful, you know, doing what you're doing, and they fucking hustled since the day they were born, you know? And then and just, it's just, it's not like a lot of money, but it's it's nice extra money, you know? You gotta, you gotta, um, you gotta publish your music no matter what anyways. Yeah. You, know, you gotta be smart about that. Well, yeah, and like, you know, I think people also have the misconception of like a successful musician is someone who's on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine, yeah. but like for me, a successful musician is someone who is self-sustained by music yeah. that they're creating or like they're playing. Yeah. Like to me, that's success. Like, right. and then however you take it, however far you take it from there is yeah. like whatever. But to me, that's success, man. Like yeah. what you're doing to be able to just be Carlos. Yeah. This is like I'm just Carlos, and people pay me for it. Which right. is, I think that's amazing. That's some cool shit, man. So, uh, when is your the album release show? We got a, a CD release show on August 26th at the Music Box in Little Italy. So, I'm excited about that. August 26th? August 26th. Okay, cool. It lands on a Saturday. So, there's a lot of things going on that day. Uh -huh. um, uh, Body of Logan's having like a street block party, but that's daytime. Uh -huh. And uh, a lot of my friends have businesses in that area so you know they need for sure that'll end at seven our show won't start till 9 30 10 and then also slightly stupid having a homecoming from their tour and they're going to do the delmar fair racetrack and that starts like last race is 7 30 so i think it might end around 10 or 9 30 i'm not sure but i'm hoping people will come out after to oh yeah box totally yeah. I, I was telling you, oh, I should make it out to that. I yeah. thought it was going to be in July, but I'll <laughs> yeah. be in fucking Detroit. Probably. Yeah. No, I'll be on the roads, though. And uh, the the cat, the lady that's doing all the the back, the food and everything, the yeah. catering, she's from Detroit. Oh, and she's a musician. She's Mexican, dude. Oh, well, there's Mexicans over there. Like, my mom, yeah. like I was saying, my mom is Ohio. Yeah. Her, her dad used to... Like she, her dad used to be the guy who would bring all the workers yeah. to the farm. So yeah. they'd travel California, Colorado, yeah. Ohio, and they just stayed in Ohio. Yeah. So like, there's it's a crazy. lot, of, there's a lot of Mexicans. So, like, over I there. met you and her in like the last three weeks. Like <laughs> two Mexicans from from Detroit. I'm yeah, like, you would think it. Oh no, you're not from Detroit, right? No, but I'm from I'm Ohio. I'm from yeah. basically the same yeah, area as Detroit. Going, you're I'm moving to Detroit, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> You know, it's whatever, man. It'll be cool. Yeah. Um, well, fuck, dude. I don't want to take up too much more of your time here. Fucking, I appreciate you yeah, sitting awesome. in my van. <laughs> like, creepy oh, stuff. What do we do all day? <laughs> right? It's just yeah. fucking the man it's van. It's nice van, dude. I appreciate that. It's, it's clean. Which, well, it's been through hell. It's nice. But this this is what I like, these raised roof. Yeah. To be able to stand up and get changed is, oh, like, sure. such a... Such a... Uh, luxury you don't even think yeah. about until it's like available right so but all right man well fucking thanks a lot man i Thank appreciate you. it back fucking, to work yeah back to the thanks for having me oh yeah man Tanto que me gustan las güeritas, 
Las veritas de San Diego
fiesta rumba no se haga Fiesta rumba no se haga Fiesta rumba no se haga Fiesta rumba no se haga
And that was Carlos Paez of the B-Side Players and a few songs off of um, a few different albums. I just want to give you a little bit of variety of what he does. There's so much more to what B-Side does than that, but I just want to give a little love and uh, show what they do. So the song list was Baila off of Movement, the album. And then we listened to Mascara off of Fire in the Youth. And then the last song was New Uprising off of the album New Uprising featuring Piracy from Piracy Conspiracy, David Stranger, and Tommy Dubs, which all have been guests on this show. Go figure, San Diego. Anyways, um, all I know is that I'm dearly going to miss San Diego as I'm talking right now. These are the final days that I... um, Right now I have 10 days until I leave. Um, We're going to tear the studio apart and... It's, it's really sad, but here's the new beginnings. We'll, uh, I don't know where I'm at at this point in our adventure. I know it's August, so I'm releasing this in August, So, and currently I'm talking in June, so wherever I'm at, stay plugged in and um, go to wespeakenglishgood.net, write the show at wespeakenglishgood at gmail.com, and I will see you guys next time. Be nice to your fellow human beings. HJ's for everybody. See you next time, folks.